This is strictly a Nogyan podcast. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to this episode of Successfully Stressed and in this episode we'll be talking about K-pop, uh, K-pop as a business model. So quick disclaimer here, here we're not uh, reducing K-pop to a business or anything. We're just talking about K-pop in, in the terms of which it makes revenue, in terms of which it markets itself, because it has become a very, like one of the most important labels of, of this decade, probably. And uh, so yeah, that would be one thing that we'd be covering. The second thing is that the entire k-pop entertainment companies and what kind of culture they have and lastly ending with what is good and bad about k-pop so personally i'm not into k-pop that much but i know for a fact that tanisha is so tanisha like tell us what actually got you into k-pop how did you start liking it so much so like one thing about k-pop is that um you know once you just start watching it or start consuming it you get sucked into it so I started with this uh, in 2020 last year when I, you know, came across BTS's song. I mean, I would, I had listened to their music previously, but like I hadn't like, you know, really followed them that much. I heard this song called Black Swan or BTS and Black Swan is sort of, it's basically revolves around this concept where I forgot this thinker who proposed this idea, but he said that, you know, an artist dies two deaths. The first is when he loses his passion for his art and his creativity. And the second, when he biologically dies. And he says that the first death is always the most painful. So Black Swan, like the BTS song, is basically about these BTS members talking about how they are scared that amongst, amidst all of this, you know, fame and the Billboard Awards and Grammys and all of this hustle which goes around them, they might lose their passion for their music, for actually, you know, the things which they're doing this for. And... I don't know why I really resonated with that song. And after that, I just got sucked into the fandom. And I think once you like fall into that K-pop pit, you don't come out of it. So since then, I've been like following them. And I think this was before I was like, you know, when I was preparing for like my law entrance exams. And I was at a very low point in my life. So I just like the music and just, they were, I mean, some of them were really cute. And I was just like, okay, this is something I like. I am not a huge passionate fan. Like every single day I sit and watch what they're doing. Because obviously I don't have the time for that. And that way, K-pop is a very intense fandom that every single day there's something happening. But yeah, I did like it and I love the music. And I just felt that, okay, if I listen to songs in Tamil and Telugu or Spanish and I don't know what they exactly mean unless I look it up online and read articles analyzing the song lyrics, then I mean, why not listen to songs in Korean if they sound good? Like, why not? Like, that's my perspective to any music. If it sounds good, listen to it and add it to your playlist. So yeah, that's why I liked it. And I think I'm on this mission to convert Teshna into a K-pop stand now after this episode yeah I, I don't think i'm ready for it because i think it requires a lot of commitment the kind of uh, loyalty that the fans have but yeah like tell us about some history like how did k-pop emerge where it is today and like a little bit of timeline would help okay so um when i started like discovering k-pop i was really intrigued by like okay why are they such passionate fans like why is everyone such a crazy person about this like what's so different about them and Beyonce and Taylor Swift and all of that and I felt that you know the way K-pop is marketed is a huge difference okay and I really analyzed it as a business model and hence this topic for today so basically um, 
in the 1990s okay mtv as a music channel sort of came up okay they were talking about music videos usually earlier it was just about singles and their albums that's it no one really talked about th- thought about music videos michael jackson was one of the first person who taught you know talked about it with motown records and all of that and mtv was sort of pushing for all these you know black creators and hip hop and rap artists uh, r&b artists making music videos all right so then that's when this man a korean a musician named Sao Taiji I hope I'm pronouncing his name right but he basically saw this western wave of you know people trying to make hip hop and music videos and all of that and you know he sort of realized that, okay this is the next thing it's not going to be just about singing live and albums it's going to be a lot more about music videos this happened in 1990s where this man founded a band called Sao Taiji and Boys in Korea he started introducing hip hop to south korea made music videos and all of that and then uh since then this wave has started about you know having idol groups and having bands and you know focusing a lot on music videos which is obviously a huge element of k-pop if you look at any korean music video it's intense the amount of money spent on it is crazy but one thing i realized with uh k-pop is what they did differently and why k-pop is k-pop and there's no latin pop at that level or there's no bollywood music at that level is because in 2013 i think everyone has heard of the song gangnam style okay by this man named sai gangnam style is basically if i have to put it in indian terms it's a song which mocks south bombay and south delhi people like literally south bombay and south delhi girls it's literally a parody on that gangnam is this you know it's the gangnam is like the south delhi and south bombay of seoul the capital of south korea and this man made this video it went viral on youtube first youtube video to hit 1 billion views it goes crazy and people are like okay this is korean music and all these uh, entertainment companies in south korea the main three uh, yg sm jyp which are sort of like the reliance and the birlas and the tatas of south korea they saw that okay people actually love kpop people are actually liking this man singing they love the music they don't even understand the language but they love it and they capitalized on that again if you look at the timing over here um, one direction was the biggest boy band in the world again a difference to be noted over here is there's a difference between boy bands and bands as rock bands okay beatles are rock bands uh wonder uh, one republic imagine dragons are rock bands because boy bands sort of focus a lot on the visual aspect of it whereas these rock bands don't they're mostly about the lyrics um but yeah one direction as a boy band zayn malik leaves 2015 they sort of say that, okay we're going to go on an indefinite hiatus we're going to we don't know if we're going to come back together or not technically they disbanded so there's this dearth of boy bands in the world okay and obviously you know people wanted cute guys to crush over so that's when bts comes in post 2015 if you look kpop literally started becoming huge post 2015 2016 and they basically capitalized on the gangnam style effect and they saw the one direction no more and they just put their bands in there. okay this is bts this is exo these are all these kpop bands they're cute they sing in a different language but they're talented like them that's what happened and that's the problem with like that's the biggest deal about kpop is that they knew how to market themselves that's why only korean pop idols and korean pop stars are like at the top right now in terms of album sales and all of that um and they also make a hell lot of money and i think that deshan did a lot of research on this when i told her about business like the business aspect about it cuz she loves numbers over here so deshan <laughs> dropped down statistics and okay so i don't love numbers but uh, in terms of statistics so 
every year k-pop brings about 3.6 billion dollars to the south korean economy which is around 0.3 percent of the gdp which is i mean it sounds less like 0.3 percent but it's huge it's huge and like bts earned 170 million dollars just from touring in september 2020 and uh, an interesting thing is that last year you know the pandemic hit and uh like touring which is one of the major ways uh musicians and like artists uh get their money get their revenue that was basically not there right so instead of that you had to do something like online streams or merchandise so in that like era the label big hit entertainment which is the entertainment company for bts which manages bts basically that went public okay it released its ipo and on the south indian korean exchange and i think now, right now big hits uh, valuation is around 8.3 billion dollars which is uh, again crazy so the entire k-pop industry is also huge it's around like five billion dollars again th these are just numbers but uh, just to like tell you how big it is and how much of it much of an impact it has on the entire like south korea as Oh, as a whole so uh the band is also responsible for one in every 13 visitors to south korea so again tourism uh i think the, something that tanisha told me earlier during the day was in one of their variety shows that bts has which is called um one wait what is that bon, bon voyage bon yeah. voyage bon yeah. so in there they kind of uh mentioned that they bts had gone to malta which is like a relatively unknown place uh yeah and then after that malta's tourism rates went up by 400 percent so that is the kind of impact bts and k-pop has and that is the kind of revenue and tourism and opportunities it brings for south korea and in spite of the pandemic hitting last year it made a profit like the profits rose by like 44 percent the net profit rose by 19 percent so this is uh, this, these are just like indicators of a good business model right you can like think about it if, if they actually had tourism opportunities like uh, tourism in the sense that if they could tour to various places the amount of money they would have made would be like crazy now coming to the next part is that how do these k-pop labels earn money right how are they different from like artists big artists or uh, what are the ways so i think the first uh, way is making money out of album sales so uh, one thing that is different with K-pop is that, of course, initially uh, during the early 2000s, album sales were like a big uh, source of revenue for all kinds of music artists. But then later, this is, you know, it kind of went to more of touring and personal signing events and merchandising. But still, K-pop gets a bulk of its revenue from album sales because they treat album sales as much, right? A typical, you know, album has all of these artistic design covers, you know, photo card. The same album is like made in made into 100 different ways, exclusive pictures. Of course, like no K-pop fan actually listens to the CD because, you know, you don't really have the device to play it on. But these albums are like a big thing when it comes to K-pop. You know, it's almost like collector's items. And it's, it's, it's basically a big thing. When you compare, you would not hear a Taylor Swift fan, a Swifty or a Believer buying albums. Of course, they also have. But then this craze of albums is like way more when it comes to K-pop. So, I mean, obviously, like, you can't earn a lot from selling, like, a $20 album as such. So, touring is, like, the biggest uh, way of, like, capitalizing on all of the success you have. Because, first of all, okay, um, I think everyone knows K-pop fans are crazy, okay? They're 
going to do everything they can to even get a glimpse of the person they stand so towards if you look at if you just go online on youtube and you see the amount of effort put into live performances by kpop idols it's a lot they sell out stadiums within minutes uh, one of the biggest stadiums in the world uh, in terms of like entertainment is wembley stadium in london which uh, bts apparently sold out in 10 minutes because you know it's the whole drive of you know trying to see fans live or trying to see idols live again with that another thing which kpop does differently and why uh, you don't see that in western idols or western artists is that uh, so every fan every uh, idol group or every band has a sort of a an art i don't know what do you exactly call it sort of like a trademark uh, item which the fans carry to concerts so it's sort of like a light stick and what they basically do is is like for, for example the bts uh, fandom has uh the army bomb it's their own light stick and the thing is every time they go to it's bluetooth enabled and all sorts of technology involved in it and it's like the lights change for every song so like the first song will probably be red the next song will probably be purple and all of that and it sort of corresponds to where you're sitting in the stadium as well and the thing is the way it looks you see photos and you see videos online and people are like okay i want to go to a tour and i want to experience that bts experience live so that again adds on to the whole uh, craziness about fans uh, about the group another thing which i feel is talking about again the whole crazy uh, fan thing is the fact is that kpop has an x factor they capitalize a hell lot on personal connections with fans you look at any idol group um they have a way of sort of connecting with fans they make the fans feel that okay you know what we're there for you and we're literally like your best friends or whatever and i'm not seeing any other western artists except for taylor swift do it like taylor swift has like secret listening sessions before albums she's built her entire career on relatability um but again it's very astonishing to see that you see artists who speak a different language and are able to establish that connection globally no matter where you come from people feel that they're connected to these idol groups um they have exclusive signing sessions they have a lot of accessibility on social media on various other platforms a weird thing which i've seen in a lot of uh, contracts when they sign artists is they have a no dating clause they don't let their idols date because they feel that okay once um an artist starts dating it sort of loses their desirability among fans but that's a very weird thing uh also a very common stereotype is that when you talk about kpop fandoms most of them are these young 12 13 year old girls to be very honest um kpop as an entire industry has been targeted to teenage girls like the target audience for them is teenage girls they want these kind of fans and that's what happens and they sort of capitalize on that they want young girls uh to sort of like whatever they're doing and that's sort of explains the stereotype but um again as i talk with the no dating clause i feel that there's a lot of like very toxic culture in terms of kpop entertainment co- companies the way they get uh, that kind of success i don't really feel that the ends justify the means but they have a very unique way of sort of launching groups so what they basically do is they start with an audition process all right so people from all walks of life uh, as young as 12 13 year olds they audition all right um based on their dancing singing rapping skills uh, very rarely they take music production and then they start selecting people so they select over like 50 to 100 people and these are trainees and these people are trained for over 2 3 years in diet uh, singing dancing music production art all of that and their housing everything is taken care of they don't need to pay for anything um everything is taken care of and sometimes obviously a lot of them are eliminated then they sort of narrow down to like 6 to 7 people do screen tests etc 
and then they launched them as a group that okay these people sort of look good together they complement each other let's put them as an entire group together let's let's launch them that's what happened so obviously the people who you see now there are over hundreds of people who have been rejected so sometimes it happens that people train for like 4 5 years and don't even get to debut so they eventually like out of a job sort of given up their schooling in a sort of way and yeah that's what really happened i feel that's a very toxic culture obviously yes as trainees that means that they've taken a lot of extra efforts in becoming an artist so they're way more skilled that also explains that how they can dance and sing at the same time during live shows uh but i do feel it's very toxic because from a very young age from like 13 14 you're just constantly training you have that tension that okay you know what i left my family behind and i left everything to do this to become a k-pop idol and what if i don't make it what if i don't even get to be launched as part of the label so yeah that's one thing but again the companies invest a lot of time and i think they should i can talk about i that. mean uh, like if you see like again coming to the business uh, model thing so there are two parts to this right so the music video that you see on youtube uh, there are two main like aspects or two main uh, sets of people behind it so one is the kpop companies the labels and the other is the kpop idols which are you know which tanisha talked about they go through like an auditioning process and a training process which takes sometimes even 10 years if they start early and all of this kind of amounts to the the entire cost of training so it's like they take care of their housing food training everything and all of that actually costs to around 50000 dollars even a million if like from 50000 dollars to like a million sometimes and this is the amount that all of those kpop idols or the so called idols or the trainees initially they owe this to the company now like you would ask me 50000 dollars it's not cute so first of all they take care of trading housing everything and also when uh, they invest a lot of time and money in like each kpop artist right so there are fees for promoters tour managers so when they debut their entire album the entire production of the video which includes designing marketing producing you know distributing live live sticks so she tanish also talked about something called as live sticks which each uh, you know fan have must have before they go to the concert so all of that costs a lot of money um now because they take care of everything right starting from production of music to you know makeup things like small things like makeup and like costumes to even production of music licensing the music putting it out so the kpop idols just need to like do the work dancing and singing maybe and everything else is taken care by these um kpop companies or labels so because of that uh you know there is like a very uh, it's a tilted thing so a lot of the music is actually owned by these companies rather than the creators now um, uh, also the attitude that these companies have towards creators uh, now if you talk about bts so i think tanisha you should talk about how bts is different when it comes to these companies um, in general okay so like talking about bts is the reason why i feel that they sort of got a lot more success compared to others is one uh, the members write their own songs and produce different sorts of music all right usually happens in other companies that they manufacture music literally um they don't look at it as an art form they look at it like okay you know what i need to put out an album this year usually what happens in the west is that people put out albums every 2 3 years 4 years sometimes um but kpop groups put out albums almost every single year or at least an ep or a mini album they have singles round the clock they don't really entertainment companies really don't give autonomy to idol groups or artists as such 
uh, reason being because they feel that you know what if they start giving autonomy in terms of like artistic work uh, they'll also start wanting autonomy in terms of finances and then you know they won't be able to control the group better they might want to leave so they also don't want one member of the group having too much power so the last thing the label wants is for the members and the group to be bigger than the entire label itself so that's why they don't give that kind of autonomy a way which big hit has become different is the fact that when they went public last year they sort of gave shares and all the bts members they own a significant amount of the company in stock obviously so i think that's a difference that they give that respect and they treat them as partners and not just people who they control over so i think that's one thing's different and right now looking at the way uh, people are looking at intellectual property in terms of entertainment and looking at how badly K-pop idols are treated. Uh, it is important that you give a certain amount of control uh, to the content creators, to the people who are actually putting in that many hours of work. Um. So when it comes to ownership of work, like which basically means that the final product or the song, how much of it do the idols own? In the sense that the people who perform it own, uh, they hardly own anything in most of the cases. Uh, the entire thing is owned by the label, right? Because uh, BTS is different, right? In case of BTS. the seven boy seven member boy band they produce most of the music they write produce most of the music but majority of the other kpop bands um they or the companies hire ghostwriters songwriters background vocals even and even the tracks are composed by someone else it is just the performance that is actually done by the idols so in that case the entire like final product which is the masters which is called the masters anthony shaw will come to that that entire thing is owned by the label and even if like some parts of it are owned by all of the people who are involved in the production of it you know thode thode royalties agar sabko mil rahe then it's even like difficult even more difficult to figure out how much money each kpop idol is making because uh, at the end of the day they are just like used as you know the book the cover of the book मतलब सामने के लिए एंड देन पीछे देयर आर लाइक अ पोस्ट ऑफ पीपल हु आर डूइंग डिफरेंट काइंड्स ऑफ थिंग्स ओके सो रिसेंटली लाइक इन द पास्ट मंथ आई लॉट ऑफ पीपल सॉ दिस न्यू एल्बम बाय टेलर स्विफ्ट व्हिच वाज कॉल्ड फियरलेस टेलर्स वर्जन इट हैड अ प्रोपेलर सॉन्ग का लव स्टोरी व्हिच ऑब्वियसली वाज रिलीज्ड लाइक 13 इयर्स अगो एंड मेड टेलर स्विफ्ट फेमस नाउ ऑब्वियसली देयर इज अ क्वेश्चन ओके व्हाई शी रिलीजिंग द सेम एल्बम अगेन सो इन म्यूजिक यू हैव दिस कांसेप्ट कॉल्ड मास्टर रिकॉर्डिंग्स नाउ व्हाट एग्जैक्टली मास्टर रिकॉर्डिंग इज इट्स द फाइनल प्रोडक्ट आफ्टर प्रोडक्शन एंड after people have added their own edits to it the final version of the song which is released to the public that's called the master recording now whoever owns the copyright to the master recording owns the right to whether the music can be used in a movie or a tv show whether it can be performed live by anyone or whether you know they pay, they hold a certain amount in terms of albums being sold so any thing you want to do with that master recording you have to take permission from the person who owns the copyright to it now what happened to taylor swift in 2019 is she used to be part of a label called big machine records which basically launched her into stardom and she had a manager named scooter brown and she didn't want to work with him or the man who owned big machine that was scott and eventually she left it happened later on that she realized that scott sold the music label to scooter brown the manager who she did not like who was who was very unprofessional and very manipulative and with that when the company was acquired by this man named scooter she lost all her master recordings she was not given a chance to buy her master recordings so it was basically like she's worked on all of this music for years and now someone else will get every single penny whenever an album is sold whenever an album is you know used in a movie or whatever 
so that's why she sort of because she was a songwriter she could record the music again and then put it out as fearless taylor's version and she's recording all of her albums again but that's what happens a common practice in k-pop as well is that entertainment companies own the master recordings for songs so if bts puts out a song bigger entertainment owns the master recordings so for years to come they will get a significant amount of the revenue and they only give a certain percentage to the people who have actually written it or the people who have actually sung the song um and that's the issue which happens is that you know who gets to own the master recording uh because that happens obviously you know you don't have a choice in what you can do with the songs and now there's a shift in entertainment in general because of what taylor swift talked about uh and because of her there's sort of a shift that okay they want artists to own master recordings but that's not happening and that's an issue because obviously if you own the rights for the masters you own the rights for every single thing you can do with that song so yeah i guess that affects revenue again with the whole concept of the company's revenue and what actually the creator gets uh yeah i mean like now i think um when we have come to revenue so let's talk about it and very much the ratio is very skewed okay so it's like whatever revenue the album makes it's 90 to 10 which basically means 90% of it goes to the label and 10% of it goes to the uh, idols or the k-pop artists now uh, for example if we if we just say a hypothetical scenario that a particular album makes uh, 1 million dollars okay uh, so 90% which is $900,000 of that will go to the entertainment company and $100,000 of that will go to the K-pop idols and now you would say okay matlab $100,000 is like still a lot of money but then uh, this should be like kept in mind that that entire $100,000 is distributed amongst the K-pop idols of a particular group so if we take the example of like BTS i i don't know BTS won't be a good example but like any band for example if that band has six members then approximately each idol gets around $16000 but nowadays what is actually happening is that kpop groups are getting larger and larger so there is another kpop group which has around 23 members now if you divide that entire $100000 into 23 like the you know compared to the amount of effort that each idol has put into his training and uh, put into uh, put into their training and like up till now it's not worth it it's definitely not so that way i think it's very very skewed um now talk, we talked a lot of business i think it's important to talk about like obviously as a fan you don't really look into you know whether they're making money or not you basically look into whether you like it or not um so basically all i've seen with kpop is that either people love it like completely hardcore will die for like oh my god i'm going to die for bts i'm going to die for blackpink or whatever or they just are like you know what i hate kpop i hate the fans i hate the artists i hate every single thing about them like don't mention kpop in front of me um now first like looking on one side what makes it so loyal one as i said earlier the personal connect which idols have they offer a huge amount of like um insight into their own personal life and they make fans believe that you know what i'm there for you and i'm like you know a best friend or whatever and people really connect with the music so that's one thing that idols in kpop are very very fan centric that's one thing second is i feel it's good music like i don't really think that you could listen to okay so one thing i'm really against with not just kpop or any artist is people are like okay you know what i hate taylor swift uh, but i don't really know what i just don't like i just hate her or i hate beyonce or something like that and i really feel that okay if you want to like truly acknowledge or understand an artist i would just tell you like go on spotify go on to that artist's page and just stream the top 10 songs they have and listen to it 
if you feel that you know you don't like the top 10 songs and maybe you might not love the others so then just drop it but i feel that you should judge based on the music they make their artists first so just look at their artwork and then judge whether you like them or not without prejudice like don't say that okay he's asian or i don't know what language they speak and just listen to the music and see if you just find it soothing to your ears or not and then you can check out what the lyrics mean or whatever um with kpop is one they have pretty good music they have very good technology obviously south korea has been leading in technology like japan um so they have very good music video sets the music videos are aesthetically pleasing a lot of them have a huge story behind them but that's unless you like sit down and analyze if you have the time for it um and also i feel that especially with a lot of artists there's a lot of variety and range in genre like they have rap songs you have ballads you have uh, a mix of both you have authentic pop all sorts of music so i don't really i've never really found like an artist um or a song which is just like completely out of like my genre there's obviously something for everyone second is a uh, third is a choreography like the choreography for almost every song they stage life is so elaborate and so intricate and also fun to try out i mean like nowadays people are just like trying out new choreographies on reels and uh tiktok uh but yeah it's pretty cool to try out and you know obviously like reels and tiktok trends make anything popular um a lot of music of all these kpop artists has a huge storyline like for example with the okay i mainly stand bts so most of my examples are bts related um uh, but like for example bts had this album series called love yourself two three albums which were like love yourself speak yourself love yourself blah blah something and they had a particular you know storyline with it so there's a particular back story and like entire storyline with it so yeah that makes it more interesting and uh, one thing i've noticed is um there is a western prejudice against kpop because people are constantly like you know I, for some reason i just feel that in hollywood people don't really accept anyone as successful unless they get that western validation so you have to be successful in hollywood to make it so a lot of people don't really understand why people like kpop and they just feel that you know what we don't understand it why if they're not popular in usa they shouldn't be popular anywhere else in the world so they constantly ask questions like okay who do you want to collaborate with what do you want to do and you know like mostly you don't you don't ask just to be with those kind of questions you ask people like them that okay who do you want to collaborate in hollywood so that you become successful here so it's basically a lot of their uh, work is deemed as you know whether the west validates you as a good enough artist or not because of that they a lot of fans see that criticism they see that racial prejudice and then they feel like you know what we want to defend our idols we want to defend them when the billboard does not nominate them we want to defend them when radios don't give them enough radio play so because of that criticism and all of that they're more like uh, angered and more motivated and driven to defend their idols so i think that's why people like kpop in general and i think we've actually asked a lot of people on our instagram stories about why do you exactly love or hate kpop and this is what mostly everyone said that you know good music great choreography they're pretty attractive um, again the whole racial prejudice is also what you know plays a reverse effect so yeah that's mostly why people love kpop and yeah i mean uh, not tanisha that you brought that instagram story thing so i think the fan base is so loyal that i like one of my friends literally sent me 12 voice messages and i just asked her ki what are your views on kpop and then she just got so excited but yeah i mean that is the kind of fan base that they have okay now coming to like why people hate kpop right or why is there like a negative you know this is like negative association when it comes to kpop in some minds so someone i think agent p mentioned in chat that uh, they will start molding you if you say something against bts which is true like uh, a lot you know the kpop fandom or uh, the entire fan base is kind of they, they have made the uh, you know the reputation such that 
कि मतलब दे वेरी असर्टिव वेरी अग्रेसिव एंड अ पार्ट ऑफ इट लाइक इफ आई हैड टू जस्टिफाई दैट इज बिकॉज ऑफ द काइंड ऑफ रेसिज्म एंड सेक्सिज्म the cave of idols phase and because of that the fans have just become overprotective but again the fans do get very toxic if something is said against kpop or against uh, kpop idols then there is again a lot of racism so you might have heard phrases like okay but all of them look the same that is racism you should not if you if you've said that to someone then you should not say that again uh things like they look like girls again that is toxic masculinity so there is uh, you know it, it's very like uh, again language barrier is another thing ki a lot of people say ki okay but why should i listen to kpop i don't understand korean or i don't understand their language in the first place but still um, so these are some kind of some criticisms that they've gotten and like most the criticism is unwarranted when it comes to racism sexism or toxic masculinity but their fans are Uh, toxic that is uh, one thing that even they admit that they get very protective another thing is that uh, prejudice uh, that they faced when it comes to western interviews now tanisha talked about uh, western validation even like billboards and grammys they have their own prejudices when it comes to asian artists right uh, so when all of these kpop bands you know started topping billboard charts even the american radio shows like they started showing double standards while playing their songs on radio right so yeah i mean that is the entire kind of vibe because that acceptance has not still been established when it comes to uh, the western countries it is there of course the kind of fan base that kpop has built that is very strong but then there is a very strong opposition to it also another thing that comes to my mind is beauty standards now when all of these idols are trained uh they are you know put on a diet they can consume only a certain number of calories every day and stuff like that so there is there are a lot of so if, for example in case of female idols uh they are also like sometimes forced to go, undergo plastic surgery to like look a certain way and all of these like uh perception of like perfection and beauty standards they arise from toxic korean culture and you know these have also led to some like suicides and mental health issues so again that entire uh, thing is very very debatable very toxic uh, another thing is that uh, the phrase idols right that is also very debatable like they literally treated as idols now these kpop idols cannot curse they cannot smoke publicly they cannot talk about things like sex or uh, even if they do all these things they're criticized a hell lot so uh like one of my friends was telling me that recently someone some kpop idol went live on igtv on instagram and basically a uh, background page there were some posters which were apparently like i don't know 18 plus or something and then some or uh, some of the members in that live spotted those and then made screenshot out of those started calling the idol various sort of names and then kind of really like publicly shamed them so Uh, of course like you have dating bans and it's very toxic gets very toxic uh so yeah i think that is pretty much uh, the hate around kpop why uh people hate kpop and stuff like that so like if you again coming back to their entire business model thing if you want to compare like kpop entertainment companies to vcs uh which are uh, venture capitals because they kind of fund uh and invest hundreds and thousands of dollars into uh these artists right to you know kind of if they see potential in some kind of uh, k pop idol at a very young age they kind of 
start investing a lot into the training and now i think there is there has been a lot of awareness when it comes to these uh, entertainment labels uh, a thing that is um, a kind of movement that has started is that uh, you know k pop groups are kind of encouraged to come together and start their own independent label which can be labeled very very vaguely as a startup you know because then if you start your own independent table that will require you to have an initial budget that will also require you to have various people so it will require you to have a music producer a digital marketer you know a pr a partner even an accountant lawyer because if you want to scale that label of like very high and compare it to the big 3 or even someone someone like big hit entertainment you will have to actually treat it like a startup oh yeah so um but so i'm also a huge fan of beatles uh, i have a very eclectic uh, music taste honestly i you can find all sorts of artists in my playlist but i remember watching um this a uh, few interviews of even colbert with bts and also another one with paul mccartney of the beatles and i just sort of was reading about the beatles and how bts is usually compared to the beatles because they sort of broke a few beatles records um i noticed this that you know i saw this one person who wrote an article and he said that you know um beat the when the when beatles were um like in the 80s when 70s 80s when they were like upcoming and you know um they had a major teenage girl fan base honestly um they had all of their fans were these mm-hmm. teenage girls you know mm-hmm. these young men in the 20s mm-hmm. obviously had a huge fan mm-hmm. following yeah. amongst the girls and a lot of people initially dismissed the beatles as okay you know what they're just crazy fans and crazy girls who are just crazy over these good looking boys and there's nothing good about them eventually then sort of like after the beatles disbanded in the 90s uh, like later on after they got disbanded in the 80s and you know in the 90s when people started appreciating their music more and they saw that you know what john lennon and paul mccartney have written such great songs and that's when they you know really liked uh, their music it was when you know these men sort of validated them as like good songwriters okay you know what they write good songs they have good lyrics they're a good band beatles became more famous and more like the greatest band of all time after they broke up and i sort of see that now also that you know with bts i think the main reason is that a lot of men don't validate them and i really hate that okay it's become this thing that when young women or young girls like something is sort of discredited as like um something which is trivial and something which is lame and crazy and just like a bunch of crazy hormonal girls going gaga over these guys um i don't know like whether bts or any kpop band is going to be just a commercial hit or will they ever get some critical acclaim maybe it could be that later on people are like okay you know what kpop is actually pretty good and they actually critically good and not just commercially successful because all the success they have right now is commercial success album sales tour sales all that revenue that's all they've earned um they not want a grammy yet uh, hopefully maybe there might be a time where the grammy sort of becomes open to acknowledging artists from all sorts of uh languages and hopefully i think there'll be a time where like you know we might even have like indian pop like people like understand that okay you can have music in different languages and um you know you don't need to have you know you don't need to make a hit in english for it to be successful like you know you've seen despacito hopefully that will happen where people get more critical acclaim But yeah, let's see. And if you love hey, K-pop, great. If you hate it, uh, if you hate it because you just don't like the music, then I completely understand. But otherwise, if it's just some racist or weird, just like you don't like it, 
um yeah i don't think you should just judge it based on a few crazy fans again i admit like as a fan <laughs> there are a lot of crazy people in the fandom a lot of times i just felt that okay i don't want to say anything like i mean there are a lot of songs of kpop which i don't like and i'm like you know what i want to put this on twitter but then i'm like i'm going to get attacked by 500 billion people and i do not want that so but yeah um again if you want to check out any artist i would just say that go on spotify or itunes and just check out the top 10 songs and then choose if you like the artist or not don't judge an artist based on like their looks or based on like you know you just don't like them listen to the music and then judge uh but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this and um if you have any suggestions for like future topics uh anything you want to put in the chat box just let us know uh feedback criticism we really appreciate it um and we are again i think if you have tuned in last time you know that we're like the people who are just caused with technical glitches so expect that every episode because i don't think that's going to go away but yeah if you liked anything or hated anything just let us know you can also find us on instagram uh you can dm us firstly if you think that something should be changed or uh, potential topics anything that you want to tell us either you can put it here or like on our instagram yeah uh so yeah thank you for tuning in today appreciate yeah. it so thank you so much guys and good night have a great time and take care and stay safe Yeah take care good night